You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, folks. Welcome back to the latest uh, Mountain West Wire football podcast. That's us, MWWire.com, where you can find everything on... Mountain football, NFL draft, which is Matt, our show today. So, uh, how how you doing? How was your draft weekend? It was all right. It was different, wasn't it? A little bit. Um, I think I was right there with Roger Goodell, trying trying not to collapse. <laughs> I was watching the thing. I can't imagine what it was like having to like actually facilitate the entire thing. Did you have, straight. Did you have multiple wardrobe changes? Uh, I did not personally. No. <laughs> he looked so exhausted, which because typically how it is, it's he does what normally just round one, and that's about it. Yeah, and then they hand it off to someone else for days two and three, and then they'll go to which they did show throughout the weekend, not introducing the pick, but you know they always give out the prizes or whatever for kids or some whatever. There's many different ways, but hey, I'm making a pick for the Lions. Instead of doing that, they had them give a little thirty second intro, then the pick was made by whomever, but. It was different. Did you watch more than normal this year than last years past? I usually watch the entire thing, so by that measure, I didn't watch any less than I normally do. <laughs> so, what, what do you think it was better, worse, indifferent? I thought, I mean, it was different, but I kind of liked it because, you know, especially on the the ABC feed, um, it seemed like they were doing a lot more just talk about what different players were bringing to the table than, you know, like, there was a little less spectacle, I think, a little more substance. Which, you know, bearing out by the fact that what they had, the, it was like the most watched draft ever mm-hmm. for, well, for, a num- for a number of reasons. Number, but I like that as well because the college game day guys who see these guys more than Trey Wingo and other yes, guys who exactly. are doing, they, they did find their own right. But watching the game day crew, I thought that was one of the best coverage because I guess it depends what you are. If you're an NFL guy, actually, if you're a person wanting to know if you're a team like, hey, I'm the Texans or Rams or Niners fan. Wouldn't you want to watch a coverage who's probably seen these guys in more live action, not just tape like what Dar- Dar- Daniel Jeremiah does or other people over on NFL Network or talk- well, McShay was out with COVID, unfortunately, but like Mel Kuyper. Like they watch the time, but they're not watching always in live in the moment or even talking mm-hmm. to these guys or coaches more often. So I felt if you're an NFL guy or want a draft guy, that's probably the best one to get the most bang for your buck on info. Yes. And that does I, I flipped around through all my I actually forgot the ABC coverage was on. Then I'm like, oh I flipped over. I'm like, oh this is much better. Also, did you notice uh what um Desmond Howard did in his background every ten seconds? Yeah. He kept changing his record album for some reason. Just that's because hilarious. that that's fine. That there was a lot of fun spectacles like uh we got Jerry Jones on the yacht. And not just the yacht, but did you see him I happened to see this, I don't know how many times it happened, but him some actually somebody making a phone call for him on speaker. Mm-hmm. So he has that. He has a glasses guy from like two years ago in the playoffs. His son cleaning his lenses. Like, does he not touch anything? Because the one time he grabbed a regular landline phone, he fumbled over it. Yeah. <laughs> so there's some interesting stuff like that. But as for our Mountain West stuff, should we just start with the first pick? That was uh, location. The draft position was fine. Team TBD. Very yeah, definitely one of maybe one of the most controversial, if not the most controversial pick of the entire draft. And that would be Jordan Love to Green Bay at 26. Yeah. 
So when you saw that popped up, because we're both waiting around for the picks, because we kind of felt we're chatting and watching and doing Twitter stuff or messaging each other back and forth. Chargers came, went past. Okay, he's not going there. There's a trader. The one trade didn't really matter. Tampa is like, yeah, maybe that Niners swap, but they weren't doing that. They're going to win now. And then we're all thinking maybe the Patriots. Patriots pass not only him, but any quarterback in the draft. And then Packers trade up from 30 to 26 to take Jordan Love. Yeah, and by all indications, they were even talking with Minnesota about trying to trade up for one of their two picks in the first round. It seems like this was their guy in the first round. Where was Minnesota picking? Oh, 22. Man, I can't oh, remember exactly. I got it right now. I was pulling up as we're speaking. Hopefully, they get 22. Yeah. So, here's a couple reasons I think love. It's a good fit, bad fit. Here's a couple reasons. It's Matt LaFleur has been – it's going to be year two. Mm-hmm. And – it's not Aaron Rodgers' guy, which if you get like what do you what would you say Aaron Rodgers top two quarterback, top three quarterback NFL still like who's really better than him right now Patrick Mahomes, maybe Drew Brees like he's up there. Well, I think the honestly the answer to that question will color your perspective on Jordan Love probably because for yeah. the most part it seems like a lot of um, Packers Twitter in particular really hated the pick. But I think the idea behind it, and I said as much on, on Twitter, I think it was yesterday actually, is that the whole idea behind drafting love and and to, to a greater extent, a lot of the picks that came after him was tr- at least in, from my perspective over the next year or two, trying to build a team where Aaron Rodgers didn't have to be like Aaron Rodgers, all caps, for the Packers to be Super Bowl contenders. And I yeah. think that you saw shades of this with Philadelphia's draft strategy as well. Obviously, you know, they went in a very different direction, drafting three different wide receivers, uh, one of which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, as well as Jalen Hurts. But the idea is like you're, you're planning for all your contingencies because there's a distinct possibility that Aaron Rodgers might not be among the best handful quarterbacks in the league anymore. He might be a top 10 quarterback. But if he's not a top five quarterback anymore, that could make a difference. It and could, could be, yeah, I hear you. And and the other thing I pointed out was that, you know, because it seems like their draft in particular was built around trying to not put all their eggs in one person's basket. You know, it, on the one hand, like if Rogers gets hurt, which let's not forget, he got hurt a couple mm-hmm. of years ago, and the team more or less fell off the tracks without him. There's that, yeah. I think, you know, even though there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve for Love to get up to speed with the offense, mm-hmm. that he's a much better contingency plan than the Brett Hunt or Deshaun Kaisers of the world. There's that, but here's the thing, too. Like, I can make arguments for both sides. Like, I'm not a Packers fan, like the Cowboys, so there's a little bit of thing there with that. But here's the thing. They were in the NFC title game last year. Mm-hmm. They were very close to going to the Super Bowl. Like, they were one game away, even though... The championship game may not have gotten the favor nearly as well as I thought it could be with your Niners taking care of business, but they're that close to why, like everybody wanted the wide receiver, a ton of receivers to get. They don't get somebody to help Devontae Adams. They end up drafting AJ Dillon from Green Bay and around, or excuse me, from Boston College around two, who Packers already have a good running game. They have um, Jamal Williams from BYU, and then they have Aaron Jones as well, UTEP guy. Like, Malifor wants to run the ball a lot, so they want another running back 
it's also maybe why they didn't get a receiver. They're not going to throw the ball as much. One of the best quarterbacks, maybe, like you mentioned, Matt, that's why they're transitioning a little bit. Like, he wants to be run first more. But you still have one of the best receivers in the league in Devontae Adams. Why would you not want to pair him with somebody with all these good receivers around or do something or get something to help them? Because if you're that close, I get the point. Plan for the future. But there's two positive with that. If Jordan Love comes out to be just let's just say he's a number, top 10 QB his whole career, whenever he plays, which is really, really good. Packers would have like 30 plus years of unprecedented quarterback success. No team can match going back to Brett Favre back in like 90 or whatever. And whenever he played, I mean like 30 plus years of great quarterback play, any franchise looking at Bengals or Browns, they'd love to have that. You know what I mean? Like that's a great thing to have, but if you're that close to winning, could they have gotten love at 30? Like would, would do you think the Patriots would have taken him in between 26 and 30? I mean, I guess there's the possibility that, you know, I think from the post-draft coverage that I saw, that as far as New England is concerned, things just didn't work out for them in the way that they wanted it to for them to draft a quarterback, which is why they ultimately didn't. Mm-hmm. But to expand upon your original point, yes, they got back to the, they got to the NFC Championship game last year, but look at the team that demolished the Packers That's in true. that game. Mm-hmm. To me, that's the team they're trying to emulate. You know, one, Devontae Adams is a much better wide receiver than anybody the 49ers have out there. But that didn't stop the 49ers from, you know, coming within minutes of winning the Super Bowl without a wide receiver that yeah. had over 802 yards. And well, that ran, was Debo Samuel. Yeah, they ran the ball like crazy yeah, in that game. They ran the ball more than anybody but Baltimore last year. And so I think that, you know, obviously... Aaron Rodgers is not Lamar Jackson. So, you know, there's there's that caveat. But I think that if you're looking to kind of pivot your offense where Aaron Rodgers is not having to pull a miracle just to, you know, get outside of the divisional round or something like that, like, you know, he, they're trying to put him in a position where he's not having to, you know, steal a win from Dallas at the last minute or something like that. Then go with defense because they already have a great running duo. Williams and Jones is really good. So well, they, and they do have a good defense. They have a young defense with uh, a lot of pieces from the, especially from the draft that they had last year, that are on the rise, in my opinion. Then why not take the one position you need? That's what I'm saying. Like, if defense is good, you have a good running game, you have an elite quarterback. Why not? They did take a tight end that nobody really liked, the guy from Josiah DeGuerre from Cincinnati. But I don't know. I'm just not to be makes the Packers show, but if they're that good and they're that close, why not take the one position that's your glaring weakness, which is number two receiver? And they lost I think, Randall Cobb to the Texans, too, so they don't have him anymore. I mean, I just don't think that they don't want to throw the ball 58% of the time, which is what they did last year. I think they want to be closer to 50-50, if not necessarily to entirely overhaul their offense. And I think that in the long run, you know, when Aaron Rodgers inevitably loses a little bit of juice, then Jordan Love, whether it's by injury, whether it's just at the end of Aaron Rodgers' contract or however it happens to be, that he will be more than ready to step in and take over. I think that's the plan so, that the Packers have in mind. That is. But if you're a fan, I hate this plan, right? Like, if let's just say, like, um, whatever team, like, uh, whatever your team, like, you're, you like San Francisco, like the Cowboys, Texans. Let's just say had the, and it's the quarterbacks later on in their career, I'm trying to think, like, I don't know, just like say when the Cowboys are winning with Troy Aikman is winning Super Bowls are close there. Have they taken a QB like round one, like when they're still in contention, like say a year or two removed 
after uh, Jerry Johnson was or Jimmy Johnson was gone, they brought in Barry Switzer. Like say it's they won a Super Bowl. Switzer was gifted once. Say it's like two years later. They're still really really good. That's probably the same age as Aaron Rodgers. And they take a QB in round one, and you still have Michael Irvin, Emmitt Smith on your team, Leon Lett, all these great guys, Darren Woodson, and you draft a quarterback, but you need something else and you go that would make me very upset as a fan despite if it's like a quarterback who could lead your team for the next 20 10 to 15 years well like, it's not like the packers have done this before the year they drafted aaron Rodgers, i know they were they were 10 and 6 that year i know i'm just so saying it's not like it's not like they were bottoming out it's not like they haven't been here before and it's not like as you said this is a team that more often than not has known what it's doing when it comes to the nfl draft i'm saying if i was a fan i wouldn't like it but as for a team i get it but so let's get to jordan Lowe specifically he goes to his team it's probably one of the better fits because we've discussed before him starting right away, probably not the ideal situation for him. Like, had he gone to the Chargers, I bet he could beat out Tyrod Taylor pretty soon. Had he gone to New England, probably easily pass those two guys, Stidham and uh, Brian Hoyer there. So going to Green Bay where he'll sit, maybe he might be like, it's, it's going to be almost identical what happened last time with Farvin Rodgers or even like Steve Young and um, what's um, Joe Montana. One of those type of things where he wait for a couple years, maybe not as long as the Montana thing, but... If he waits a couple years, but Rodgers can't be traded. He's there for, like, for insurance or backup, get him ready to go. I don't see him take away time, but the earliest I would see him saying you're the starters like in, in year three. And they're going to not waste a first-round pick, but a first-round pick in year three is not what teams want to do. They want those guys to play almost immediately. I mean, I think most of the consternation from draft analysts came from like the, the idea that you, you build value with rookie contracts. Sure, yeah. Yeah, that's how you that's how you bust a, a competitive window wide open and you really don't have to look any further than like Kansas City. Or the Rams for that two years ago. Yeah, for the Rams. Um, and so I think when it comes to Jordan Love, because they already have a quarterback with a substantial contract on the books, that the Packers weren't necessarily making the, the most valued pick in that regard. Like, you know, a, a rookie contract at receiver might have looked a little better than it would have at um, you know just drafting another quarterback. But by the you know by the time they drafted, you know who was the next best receiver at that point? You know, because you know Jalen Rager got picked, Jerry mm-hmm. Judy got picked, Henry Ruggs got picked, and Cow- then after that, you know Brandon. I think Brandon Ayuk got put before that too, right? And the Cowboys picked a receiver for it too, right? The Oklahoma guy. Yeah. So. I trade mean, down that, then. Why, but my thing is, why trade up? That's part of it too. You trade up means you see, like, I don't know, trading up too. It's like with the Josh Allen thing a couple years ago. You trade up to get him. That's And you're trading up to in the first round. So, like, I'm not saying it's a bad pick, but, like, overall, for, I don't know. It's just, uh, I know they go by need, and it, you're right, the contract thing, because I'm looking at Rogers' deal real quick. He has four more years. They can get out of it 2022, so at least three years to play on this contract. So it might not be till year four mm-hmm. he plays. Like, but that point, he's. Here's, what here's what's going to happen I can see playing. Rodgers plays fine for the next couple of years. High enough level to keep Josh Love off his back. To, uh, excuse me, yeah, Jordan Love, sorry. From playing against him. Your rookie contracts are at four years. They'll give him the five-year option of one year of substantial play, money playing time against cheap money. And so that's not really – well, it's cheap for a backup if he's okay. But if you only get if you get the one year – because you have to extend him regardless of that year five of the rookie deal to mm-hmm. see what he can do. So if it's year four, maybe year, year and a half of – his rookie deal of meaningful playing time, that's it's sort of good value, but not really. Because you waste two or three years of three at least three years of him not playing and sitting on the bench. Millions of dollars. I get what you're saying. So but I don't need but for him to play, this is a, like 
historically, and what they typically done, this is a really good spot for him to land. It's just the timing of the pick is what people don't like. Mm-hmm. Like how they take him, like I don't think he'd have been there round two, but say he was taken like where Derek Carr was, like pick thirty five or something, thirty four. It'd been a bit better, but it's just going to a team like what if like the Texans drafted him, like Deshaun Watson's your quarterback, or Dak Prescott in the in the Cowboys or the Rams, like or Mahomes, it's like that would seem even dumber, but it's kind of in that vein. But it's a fun it's like his position is fine, but where he went and to the team at this point in time, we won't see his name for at least two years. I mean, I, I, like I said, I would say never say never. I know he had a collarbone issue, but like Aaron Rodgers has when's a, was it twenty seventeen? He missed like a bunch of games for injury, I yeah. believe. But yeah, that's about like season. That's about it, right? I think. Yeah. So, but it's not like he's injury prone. So I don't know. It's a. I don't. I know you never say never, but it's still for him playing in the NFL. It kind of sucks for him too. He's like, well, I'll sit and learn, which is great. But I won't be able to play for a couple years. Guys want to play too, so I don't know. Overall, it's, it's fine, but let's move on. What else we got for picks here? We uh, What should we do next? Should we go in order, surprise pick? 40? No, let's let's just go in order. Let's talk about Ezra Cleveland. What do you think about that pick? Round uh, two pick, correct? Is that right? Round two, pick number 58. Um, I know that there was a lot of consternation on Boise State Twitter's part um about the fact that he was falling because he had received a lot of helium um at least in the in the day or week leading up to the draft but you know if you listened to our podcast before the draft you would have known that that was more or less where i pegged him going yeah um you know sometime in the latter half of the second round (laughs) and i think that he lands in a really good situation obviously the vikings are a very competitive team Mm -hmm. um you know they're in a win now situation and you know, obviously, the, the for for Boise State, the big angle is that he's reuniting with Alexander Madison. He'll get to run block for him again. Sure. Um, but I think all in all, you know, they, the Vikings had a need. He was very clearly, I think, the best tackle still available by that point. So even though there was kind of a bigger gap than I think a lot of us anticipated while we were watching between kind of the top handful of guys that went in the top half of the first round, you know, like Tristan Wolfs, uh, Mackay Becton, and, and those guys... Um, you know, it reminded me of something that I had remember hearing um, from Danny Kelly and the Ringers NFL podcast when they were going through his mock draft. And what he had said was there was, you know, those top four guys that went at the top. And then there was a pretty substantial gap between them, which is not to say that there was, you know, a bunch of scrubs behind them, but that I think what he was insinuating was Cleveland was probably not going to be a first round pick. But I think right. that you know, considering the situation, it's good value all around. It's a good situation for him to land in. He'll get to step in and maybe start from day one. And maybe round two guy, you know, he should. And considering the rest of Minnesota's draft class, you know, he's going in and you know having a role with a potential Super Bowl contender. Yeah, because they drafted another offensive line, but not till late when they took uh, from Oregon State Blake Brandle in the sixth round. They traded that pick, mm-hmm. which apparently CBS hated that pick. But Cleveland, like you're right, he does need to do a few things better, but the same type of blocking scheme they do in Boy State's there. He needs to get a little bit stronger, but if you're a round two pick, he's going to be in the two deep regardless and, see, and rotate, see a lot of time in there. And you're right, it is a, a possible Super Bowl contender, Kirk Cousins, Madison. Who uh, They traded Stephon Diggs, right? Yeah, but they still have Adam Thielen. That's and, they, and they added Justin Jefferson with their first-round pick. Yeah, not bad. They had two first-round picks. It took a DB and receiver, so... That's a good spot where he could go because, like I said, if you can play immediately, if you're basically if you're like around, if you're any, here's the thing: 
if you're a person take a player taken probably within the top 100 picks, you're expected to probably to probably start just about yeah. or be close to it. A key backup, and that's where we get to the next pick in Logan Wilson. Which, why did the Bengals? He should get an A grade. He's amazing. He's good. Like he's going to be. A pe- guy- people don't know. People don't watch Wyoming football. At least NFL people don't watch Wyoming football. I saw. Think I think Pro Football Focus mentioned this, or somebody backed it up. Like I think he had the most snaps of any player in the draft. Yeah, I mean, because he was a starter in Laramie from day one, essentially. Mm-hmm. And you know, it was one of those things. Like you know how I always hear from from college football Twitter, especially where it's like. You know, NFL people overlook certain players, you know, even though people who watch college football week in and week out know that these particular players are outstanding. You know, I think that, you know, Lynn Bowden over at Kentucky is a perfect example of that, where he's a guy who can do it all. And I think that, you know, he landed in Las Vegas, for example, and he's going to be expected to do it all. Um I feel like Logan Wilson's kind of in that same vein where, you know, those of us who really pay close attention to Mountain West football, whether you're a Wyoming fan or not, knew that he was really good. And, you know, again, he's going to be stepping in. I think the Bengals lost a couple of uh, linebackers in free agency, including, ironically, another Mountain West, another former Mountain West player. Um, Was it Nick Vigil? Yeah. One of the starter there? One of the Vigil guys. Yeah. Nick Vigil. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, he will be stepping in, and he's not the only guy that they drafted. You know, in round four, they also drafted another group of five linebacker from App State, uh, Akeem Davis-Gather. So, obviously, there's a lot to like in this draft cast, starting with Joe Burrow, probably the most obviously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it may take a year or two to come together, but again, this is another situation where, you know, this draft class is going to have a chance to really grow and do some pretty big things together. And with Wilson, like what he does, like we've seen him, he had pass breakups, interceptions, fast. He's a guy who can, he's going to be in there on any down when he plays because he'll he can guard a tight end, maybe a receiver if needed, maybe a little bit here and there. But like mm-hmm. he, he's a guy who can drop into coverage to find get the running back or get the tight end for yeah. what he's done. So he's a versatile guy, extremely athletic. Um, not he can be a little bit faster here and there, like just that jump off the line to go. But like what he we see what he could do, he, he knocks the balls down. He he's just he's he's the guy who's everywhere. He's like the crazy uh, the blow up guy you see by the car dealerships, a little wavy thing. Mm-hmm. He's just out there, not that he's out of control, but like he gets everywhere and is that type of guy. He he'll just leap to make any play he, he can get, and that's a good spot for him. Just because, and he'll like I could see him be, not not that I'll be super rosy about everybody, but he could be starting day one on a team that wasn't good last year. Oh yeah, and what he's what he's been able to do and what he can do, he's gonna be a guy where it's like, holy crap, this guy came with only a third round pick in like six years. Exactly. Is your surprise pick of the draft the next one coming up? I mean, I think when you look at everything, yeah, maybe he went a round or two, uh, at least one round sooner than I thought he would, and that's Michael Walker from Fresno State. Why um, Why was he a fourth-round pick then? What, what did the Falcons see in him that they wanted him there? I mean, I think they liked his athleticism. They liked his versatility, you know, as someone who can, you know, put his hand on the turf as well as, you know, be a lot an outside linebacker. Yeah, I think that there were bigger questions of some about some of the Falcons' other um, draft picks, you know, especially their, their first-round draft pick, A.J. Terrell, I think was the one who created a lot of buzz because they, I think a lot of people thought that they picked him way too early. But when you look at Atlanta's draft as a whole, Walker really fits in by just saying, you know, 
their defense, if you watched Atlanta football over the last couple of years, has really underperformed. Mm -hmm. And some of that has been due to injury concerns. Some of it has been just due to a lackluster play. And so while I, I wouldn't expect Walker to step in and be a star from day one, can he step in and be a role player? Absolutely. Interesting. That's good. No, that's fine. Um, they need depth too. looking around, like there's some research, like they need depth of that position. But I guess the big thing is, and here's the, if you like a guy, you like a guy, you take him, right? Oh yeah. It's like, it's like when I hear the, uh, remember when the Seahawks took Richard Penny and Russell Wilson way early a couple years ago, obviously mm-hmm. Penny last year, first rounder, Wilson a couple years ago, like they had, they draft differently. They're like, we don't care. People think if we like a guy and we don't think he'll be there later, or we want to make sure nobody sees something, if there's a run on the players or whatever, they'll take him where they go. Maybe that's the guy where Walker is the guy where they want him to be at that spot. Mm-hmm. And if you take him there and you like him, I'm not going to judge a team unless, it, even if it's like way out of bounds, it's like we can look at it, not out of bounds, but like way too early. But it's again, if you like a guy, you take a guy where you want to. And that's the position they did need some help at. So maybe it was a touch early, but maybe he's exactly what they want and his type of play and size and production and what they've noted from chatting with him is exactly what they want. Mm-hmm. So who do we got next year? Are we get in the fifth round? Yeah, and that would be uh, Keith Ismail landing in Washington. Offense lineman to San Diego State? Mm-hmm. Perfect, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm, Washington's kind of a mess. Well, I'm just um, saying, like, sorry, let me rephrase that. <laughs> through, through, Aztecs, no fault, through no fault of Ismail's own, of course. Yeah, I mean, like, Aztecs offense lineman get drafted usually. Yeah. That's what I mean. So it's like good for perfect that since he gets drafted, but he goes to Washington team where is Dwayne Haskins a quarterback? Maybe is Darius guys healthy? I don't know. Is Adrian Peterson the Aegis Wonder still gonna be a running back? Um they do here's a good thing going with them. They have a pretty good head coach and um oh, Ron shoot. Rivera. I just as I'm saying I spaced it, you're right, the Panther coach. Yeah, Ron, Ron Rivera, the Riverboat guy. So it's like it's a He's on its organization. It's going to be changing because no Bruce Allen is there anymore because he's ridiculously in garbage. So we look at the old Washington team, kind of try to wipe that away because it was just just awful for the past couple of years what it's been. So the, going forward, I think it's going to be better. But you're right. The team itself needs a lot of work. Um, they also have Alex Smith. Is he ever going to play again? I don't know. Probably not. That knee brace halo thing he's had forever is just gruesome. That Joe Theismann-esque injury is pretty nasty. He said, what, two years ago now, a year and a half? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fine spot for him. He like being, Here's the thing. Being on a team that bad, you can play right away. I mean, yes, but maybe not. Because if, if there's one, I think, at least solid starting point for the Washington offense in particular, they do have a pretty decent offensive line and or at least the makings of an offensive line so you know he may not necessarily have to step in and contribute right away in the same way that you know it might be expected of some of the other guys we talked about so far you know i've been looking at uh, roto world's depth chart right now and oddly enough um they have another former mountain west player uh, slated to be the number one center and that's former wyoming mm-hmm. athlete chase rulier he's pretty good didn't he start um, as a rookie i believe a couple I believe weeks ago so. Yeah, and and they have right now they have four different centers listed on this depth chart. So, but, <laughs> what, you know, what are they doing there? <laughs> Ismail is not only does he do center, you know, he can play at guard. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, he can be a rotation guy for Brandon Sure for or Wes Martin. Um, and so I think that he can be a, he could definitely work his way into the rotation without necessarily having the pressures of stepping in and having to be the man right away. And if you're a guard, you're like so you can play multiple positions typically guard center. Yeah. And so if they, they're building depth for a variety of reasons. One of those is 
you get the best player there, offensive lineman, knowing he's played other positions and can play other positions. Mm-hmm. That's the way to go. Because, like, it's fine. It's like if you get a certain linebacker or a defensive tackle, well, he's a nose guard here, but we play different defense, nose tackle, we can figure it out. So maybe he'll end up being a guard for a while. But it's like a thing. If you're versatile enough, you'll find a spot. Like Logan Wilson, going back to them, he'll probably play some special teams as well early on as well, a little bit here and there. Because yeah. you only dress up, what, 46 guys, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And so it's a good pick. It's a We know he can play. He's playing the pro style with uh, with Rocky Long, even though last year was shotgun a little bit more often, but still that same scheme was there. And so it's going to be, who knows how much he'll play. He's a fifth round pick, so him making the team is a uh, we'll. I, I think I'll discuss this at the end. But a fifth rounder, you still have to work pretty hard to make the team. You're not guaranteed anything. Yeah, I mean Washington's line in particular isn't the deepest unit in the world, and so I, I'm not going to say it's like a given that he'll make the team. But I think he has a better than fifty percent chance of doing it. I, I I'd go in that. I'd say that too. All right, Curtis Weaver. Can we just say don't be the guy who says don't come out? <laughs> I'm never going to be that guy. I like in basketball today, like two things over the weekend. Um, really quick. Nemus Cato, Utah state returning after last year, testing it. That's fine because he had the knee thing. Didn't play great. And then we have guys like Matt Mitchell, San Diego state side to test the waters. No, no agent signing NBA draft. Who knows how that will be this summer, but I would, I agree. I'd say there's very, 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 very few instances where I'd say don't come out. Cause there's a lot of reasons. Like, there could be they're not eligible. Not I'm not saying this is Weaver's case, but you're not eligible. Your family wants money. It's like if you've seen the last dance, Scotty Pippen took a deal people thought was garbage. He wanted to take care of his huge family and he was vastly underpaid. Made it up on the back end, but I'm very rarely gonna say he should stay back. Like maybe I could say he's not athletically ready to come out, but like I don't know why he dropped, but he's gonna be he's going to a Miami Dolphins team who picked up Kyle Van Noy who for linebacker. Who's really, really good. They're with the team of Brian Flores, who overachieved vastly last year. And so he's going to be an Aaron. We've, we've seen his production. Remember, too, the Dolphins, I don't know if the GM's still the same, but they also drafted uh, JHI a couple years ago when there was that knee issue they weren't sure that was all about. But I don't know why he dropped maybe an injury thing. I bet part of it, too, You can't. You, nobody can work out with teams and see what's going on. Like if there was a guy who had a character issue or had a lingering injury issue, like we'll get to David Woodward at the end, but like if you can't work out in front of a team or talk to them in person or do those type of things, you're out of luck essentially. I don't know if that was Weaver's case where had he met with the team, he would have gotten a lot better feedback or picked, you know what I mean? Like, uh, oh, he's he is better than what we thought. Or our doctor looked at him. If there's an injury, he's fine. But it's an amazing value pick. It could be one of the best from the Mountain West guys as per value, assuming he plays to anywhere close to production in college. You know, I think it was, there was a big uh... – a big deal of disagreement about a tweet that I, I believe it was Mike Prater the put it out there. It certainly was. He likes to do that stuff occasionally. He was, yeah, he was. I think he was definitely mixing up the conversation. But it was what was it? It was uh, bad body, bad hypes, and then bad something else. I forget exactly what it was. But you know, I I, I went and I was revisiting some of the draft profiles that some people put out there, some draft analysts put out there. And I came across Lance Zerlin's profile over at NFL.com, and the very first thing that he has among Weaver's weaknesses is below average body type with a soft frame. And so I think that, you know, in addition to the the injury, you know, the, the lingering kind of effect of playing through injury late in the year, which kind of came out, I want to say it was on day two, 
when people were wondering why he was starting to fall. I think it was around um, after this. Most people, I think a lot of people felt he would have been about a top 100 pick. So once it got to like middle of third round, yeah, there's some, what's going on? Yeah, and so I think that, you know, that wasn't really something I had considered because, you know, when, when you're watching him, you're watching like his his, his football IQ in, in, mm-hmm. in, in motion, you know, and that was, that's another thing that Zierlin really spoke to is that, you know, he's got strong IQ, he knows how to accelerate and he knows how to play with his hands. He knows how to do a lot of the little things, even if some of the broad strokes are not necessarily what you would want in a, in a, in a defensive athlete. And so I think to your point about, you know, there was only so much an NFL team could look at during this draft cycle that may have hurt him more than a lot of other athletes in this draft. Mm-hmm. But I don't necessarily think that precludes him from being able to make an impact because, no. you know, like we talked about with Logan Wilson, this is a guy who has made an impact from the moment he became a starter a couple of years ago, three years ago. And so you can't just throw that out the window just because, you know, he's a fifth round pick of landing on a team that, has a lot of needs and there may be some growing pains and things like that. There's a, there's still a really good chance that he's going to be an impact player on the next level. Because here's the thing. If you're an impact player at college, there's probably a good chance you're going to be pretty good on some level in the pros. Mm-hmm. Like it may not, may not be translate one for one, but he played at Boise State who they put guys in the NFL. Very, not just defense, but a variety of positions. Running back the most recently of late. They put guys out there in the league. Offensive linemen get drafted. And so if you think about what who what the program is from, what teams he's played against or high level, like he – go watch him when he played Florida State. He played pretty good. You know what I mean? Like when he plays high-level teams, he does fine, does well. And let's just say his production is only 70, like 70%. Like that's still really good. If you make plays in college, you're they're gonna if you're athletic enough, they're gonna put you out there and want to see you play. Yeah, and and I put this out there on Twitter as well. I don't know if you put it in his draft profile, but when you go back and look at his combine performance in particular, you look at his top five comps, four of them were first round draft picks. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, and and, and it's headlined by Dante Hightower, who, by the way, won a few Super Bowls That's pretty during good. his career. Um, you know, another one of which was a first round draft pick in this year's draft in Clavon Chason from LSU. Um, a third was another b- former Boise State athlete, Shane McClellan, who, you know, went in the first round, was plagued by injuries through mm-hmm. you know, no fault of his own and didn't have the career that I think a lot of people expected. Uh, and then the same thing with Andy Katzenmoyer, who was a first round pick back in 1999, but really only lasted a couple of years because of in, uh, injuries. He just couldn't play through them. Yeah. So, you know, on the one hand, I don't you know want to make too much of it optimistically, but I also don't want to make too much of it pessimistically either. To say like you know a lot of these guys didn't work out. Um, I think you know when you take both perspectives uh, in, into mind, that there's still a really good chance that you know what he brings to the table, even if the tools don't necessarily flash in the in the way that you would want from a first round athlete that he could still put up the production that I think a lot, would surprise a lot of people who would have seen him as a fifth-round draft pick and, and not much more. There are a lot of people out there where, like I know a guy I worked with played in the NFL for a dozen years with a quarterback, uh, Scott Mitchell, played like the most notably the Lions, a little bit yeah. with uh, Miami Van Dam Reno. He had a chance. He tells the story all the time. And he, I believe him when he says this too, like when he was a free agent um, – Look after the Lions because they drafted Charlie Batch. He had a bad game or so, got benched rest of the year. Um, 
so he's looking around to play. I think he played the Ravens and Bengals a couple years after that. It's kind of just bounced around the end of his career. He had a chance to go to um, – he had two – no, two chances. I'll give you the one story I remember clearly. The other one, I'm fuzzy on some of the Cowboys. But he had a chance to go to – to go to Detroit – not Detroit, um, Pittsburgh Steelers mm-hmm. to go went back in – but then when they drafted Tommy Maddox. Like they were going to pick him up for whatever reason. A buddy knew somebody – uh, agent or something like well we'll take him instead because they're more it's like relationship type things any type of job like he would have been he felt a great fit could have maybe the ben roethlisberger thing never happened because it's right right before he got drafted a couple years before that time frame like he could have gone there but he took a tommy maddox from the xfl or whatever and remember he played a little bit here and there with the pittsburgh Steelers. like he would have been he's like if it had been somebody else's agent who knew that guy he probably would have been with pittsburgh instead they didn't pick him up he ended up going somewhere else and it was just like the domino effect where he ended up going, I believe, with the Ra- with the, the Ravens for a couple of years. But it's one of those things, like, if you know somebody and, like, well, if it's even, well, we'll take this younger guy because he's a bit older at that time in the league because he already played about eight or so years. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, it's a relationship thing, too. So it's like it's one little thing that could push you away or bring you into a situation that's either great or knock you away from something or bring you to – like, it's just one of those tiny things. It's just uh, not the butterfly effect, but it's just something like, oh – that buddy knew somebody, so they got that job instead of you. That's kind of how it is. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, we'll see how it goes. But I think for Weaver being where he's at, who cares if he drops? I guess, well, I guess he cares. I just say who cares? He cares. His agent cares. His family cares. But if he's that good and he brings you good value to the to the Dolphins, here's the thing too. Dolphins aren't going to be amazing year too, like the, next year with Brian Flores. They got Tua bringing in. It's like, is he going to start day one? I don't know. He may sit a year because the hip thing, if they want to make sure he's really right to go. So he could be real value for that team and could move into playing time with a team that wasn't that great, but coached by Guy Flores, who that second half of last year with the Dolphins, like he was really good. They beat the Patriots. Remember that last year? Yes. So I'm just saying, like, there's chances where he could be in a great fit because an up-and-coming team will give young guys chances to play. So uh, yeah. that was kind of a long-winded way to say it. All right, next guy. No, I mean, I think, you hit, I think you hit the nail on that. The Eagles, John Hightower. I think I love this pick. I love this pick. The Eagles. Do you think? I think the Eagles did a really good, good job. Yeah, a good job drafting speed and stuff. However, before we get to, it, did you hear the explanation for them drafting Jalen Hurts in round two? I did not. No. Oh my goodness! You're going to want to rip something in half. So it came from Adam Schefter, who sort of believed it, like the way he reported on TV. So the reason was because, well, it wasn't because their starters injury prone, which they've had injury issues at quarterback. They go, what if our starting quarterback gets coronavirus or COVID-19? Who do we go to? Mm-hmm. Um, well, um, you know, remember what happened to Rudy Gobert in the Jazz? If your starting quarterback gets the coronavirus, basically it's shutting everything down, right? Because you're in the huddle with all the offensive players. You're in mm-hmm. team meetings. You're in pro- close proximity to your everybody on your team. They're not just going to say, oh, this guy has this positive guy out of here. Bring in the backup quarterback. No, they're shutting everything down. So that excuse or reasoning was by baffling to me. Yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch. I mean, <laughs> why not just say you're preparing for the worst, which is that, you know, in the same vein, and I think maybe even more so than we talked about with Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love earlier. Yeah. Um, one of Carson Wentz's weaknesses, for, for lack of a better term, is his durability. Yeah. And Jalen Hurts is a huge step up from from Josh McCown, you know? Oh, but miles and miles, yes. Um, and, I, I mean, you know, I think it speaks to some of the larger 
confusions about what Philadelphia was trying to do in this draft. <laughs> yeah. But I think one of the very first things you said really kind of hit it on the head is they're, they're trying to add speed on offense. And that applies to Hurt. That applies to their first round pick, Jalen Rager. And it definitely applies to Hightower. Yeah, Hightower can run the ball. He return guy. He does. He's like Logan Wilson. You're a fifth rounder. You better be able to do multiple things. Return kicks, return punts. He catch a jet sweep. He can take the end around. He can go downfield and catch passes. And so he does enough where with his athleticism and how fast he is, there is a chance, like a pretty good chance, he could easily be on this team day one. And it's not like the receiving group was good last year for the Eagles. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I thought this was one of the better steals late in the pick or late in the draft where he got an A from CBS, which is obviously can't get an A really. Let's get A plus. But mm-hmm. what we've seen him do, he's a guy who just makes plays. Like his overall, like he may have stat lines where he touches the ball, what, nine times and has like 150 yards and two touchdowns. And nine of those touches come in four different types of plays. Mm-hmm. Like a running, returning. Did he even throw a touchdown probably? I bet he did. I don't have a stat line in front of me, but probably. I love that. Point. I love that pick. So next pick could have been even more surprise. Cash Malui. Malui? Malua? Malui. Maluia. True. I forget. The Polynesian name, say every vowel and accentuate every vowel when you do it. But he goes to New England, who, you know, it means a future Hall of Famer because he went to the Patriots at a late draft pick or something, right? Sixth round draft pick. Like, this was, out of all the guys picked, he was the most shocking at all because I don't think anybody had him going anywhere in the draft. Like, we didn't even do a, a proper full profile on him. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that you know, there was pos- he's definitely the less heralded of the two Wyoming linebackers who came out this year. Mm-hmm. What I want to know is, did, did Bill Belichick pick him or did the dog pick him? That's a good point. There was a dog at some point in mm-hmm. early on, which uh, I like that pick. I like the draft stuff like that. But I can we just say it was really Bill Belichick? Because if it said the dog picked him, that's kind of like uh, not a good look for him then. For the for the cow for the former cowboy, but regardless, if he goes to a team, here's the thing too: Patriots they lost uh, Kyle Van Noy. They also lost Lewis. Was it um? Oh shoot, who's the other guy? Another top linebacker named um, Collins or something. I think I recall. Whatever. They lost You're talking him, about Jamie Collins. Jamie Collins. Yeah, that's who it was. Their top two linebackers are gone. They're going to need linebackers coming to play, whether it's fill out depth or be starters. So that is a position where of very much need for the Patriots and him going there. You're playing a good team. If you work hard enough and look at who they drafted, like they drafted a edge linebacker in round two for Michigan, Alabama linebackers. They drafted three, I want to say three line, three defensive guys, three linebackers, and he was their third one. So there's going to be some competition. So clearly there's room to make a name for yourself when they draft that many guys. Yeah. So that's a fine pick, right? I think so. All right, the final pick, Cole McDonald. Do you have a situation where he's probably not going to start right away? No, Ryan Tannehill's there, but that's a good spot for him to be because yeah, because who's the competition in Tennessee right now outside of Ryan Tannehill? Nobody, and I don't do you even really trust Ryan Nobody. Tannehill. Yeah, they don't even have a backup quarterback listed on the depth no. chart on Roto World, so they do not. And I think he's he's kind of like Jalen Hurts light, where you know, if the worst happens and and Tannehill gets hurt, maybe they need to turn to him at some point. You know, between him and Derrick Henry and some of the playmakers they have outside, mm-hmm. I do think that they could do some interesting things in running the football and being a kind of Baltimore light offense if it comes to that. But I don't think there's any doubt that he's going to have some work to do to kind of overhaul some of the mechanical parts of his game. That's true. Also, you know what I noticed a lot about this draft? A lot of Taysom Hill talk. Like, hey, this guy could be a Taysom Hill guy. 
This guy mm-hmm. could be a tasty little guy. I could maybe see McDonald a little bit. You could see Jalen Hurts. There's some other guy who they said was really like him. I forgot who he was. Um, but I heard that name a bunch just because what he does in New Orleans is pretty unique. And it's always a copycat league. And mm-hmm. you see what Lamar Jackson does anyways on his own. He kind of does everything that way personally. No no, bat, no QB2 coming in to do that. But like he's not going to play for a while. Tannehill, I'm surprised Tannehill got that contract. I thought they would have franchised him. But mm-hmm. they gave him a big contract for half a season, essentially. Not even half a season. It was a four-year deal. And so he's a six-round pick. You're right. If there's nobody else on the on the draft, or excuse me, their depth chart, what are they going to go to? You know what I mean? Like, you draft him. He's your guy to be there, to be maybe QB3. You said, they, you, you said though, they had no QB backup QB listed? For now, yeah. For now. So if he's QB2, it's a pretty good spot. And, the, and him making plays, throwing ball downfield, like, you're right, mechanical stuff, but like it's a good spot to be in where the quarterback is solidified as a starter, but he's not like an amazing starting position for Ryan Tannehill right now. Like I don't trust Tannehill. What I'm saying is I don't really trust him. The reason they were good was defense and Derrick Henry. Mm-hmm. And Tannehill yeah, and did if worst well comes enough. to worst, you just hand it off to Henry thirty times. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> if he makes the team as a backup, that's great. And if he takes three, four years, and he's and they kind of stick with him, he could be a starter within five years. Yeah, you never know. So I think it's pretty good. So let's get to the undrafted guys. Um, did you know who the I believe the very first undrafted guy was? I think it was a uh, Utah State's Tippa Glay to the Raiders. That was the first one. That I That's saw the very this. first one I saw. Don McEberly as well is pretty early to the Raiders. Um, is it true? We're recording this Monday afternoon. Is it still true? David Woodward did not sign with anybody. Uh, I checked this morning. I still have not heard any news. But you know he's hardly in that he's hardly alone in that regard. You know, there's a lot of guys that we wrote up full draft profiles from that are still kind of waiting. Um, and, and they've expressed, you know, their range of emotions ranging from, you know, disappointment to, to being motivated by being overlooked. And, you know, I'm talking about, you know, everybody from, well, Woodward hasn't said anything particular, but, you know, guys like Jaron Bryant and Juwan Washington and Rayshad Jackson at UNLV, where, you know, they, these kind of periphery guys who I think in a normal off season definitely would have gotten scooped up a lot sooner than they have at this point. Um, they might be hurt the most from this process where there isn't as much to go on as there typically is. And as a result, I think a lot of NFL teams are being more judicious. Here's what I think it is. I'm looking at do a quick Google search right now. Eric at home. I think he's a Yahoo. I want to say yeah, Yahoo guy. He's yeah. up there like, hey, anybody draft him or pick him up yet? So far, no. There might be speculation retirement due to concussions. Yeah. But it's like, it, here's the thing with the workout thing, which we'll get to all these guys and others. If you're not, um, he here's the thing, he missed half the year and still was all conference in the Mountain West. Mm-hmm. Was he first team or second team? Uh, no, I believe he was first team. He was first team. So he missed half the year. But here's where... With having the pandemic going on right now, he couldn't meet in person, couldn't work out, couldn't get cleared by other doctors, couldn't do other things. And so that hurts him the, almost the most. And, like, he was really, really good. It's unfortunate that if he has concussions, he had to move on for football, that too many, because you don't want to go out there and get more, you know what I mean, just multiply those up and add on to those concussions and stuff. So I'm just wondering, I just, it just if he had the workouts, could have met with teams, like, he would have probably maybe been picked up, I believe. I'm pretty sure of it. But without able to meet in person... What are you going to do? You know what I mean? Tough yeah. spot. So, yeah, but, I mean, it's, there's definitely a lot 
fewer free agent signings than there was last year. Um, just looking at you know last year's free agent tracker mm-hmm. article that we put up uh, versus the one I put up a couple days ago, you can definitely tell the difference. Yeah, it's and a also, lot slower this time around. A couple reasons. There's also well, main reason obviously with no facilities open. There's because think of it this way: when you get picked on Saturday after the fact. Not even after the fact, but there's usually rookie mini camp this week, like Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever that may, maybe even Monday, with the draft now not ending on Sunday, but ending Saturday. So it used to be, or the years past, within this week, you would be at a rookie OTA, undrafted, yeah. drafted. You would have rookie mini camp. So that's not, I, we have seen zero of those, as far as I can tell. I don't think you can tell me if you've seen any, but there's no rookie invites because there's no yeah. rookie mini camp. And it's so, not likely to happen. So that's not going to, because our list is what, maybe 20 guys? Not even. Not even. I'm scrolling point. through. Like, there's nobody as of this. This may change, but I doubt it will. In New Mexico, nobody. Nevada, nobody. CSU, nobody. Um, not even, like, Jared Saunders from Air Force has been picked up. Only Zane Lewis, the DB to the Ravens. So, with no mini workout, no mini camp workouts, no rookie signings. These you guys, oh, I got a, I got a rookie signing. A lot of times, see QBs. Like, they'd get go to – they'd say two in a week because they're not an undrafted guy, but they're a rookie signing, a rookie tryout, essentially, where they're with Green Bay one day and then going to Baltimore three days later, where it's like a two-day <laughs> minicamp. That's not happening. And so here's my thinking. Like, these guys like Dave Moe didn't get drafted for the for the Broncos. He went to the Vikings for an undrafted pick. John Mulkin, offensive lineman, Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to – it's, it's got to be sucky to be these guys – some of these guys. Like, if you're an undrafted guy – you're not making the team, I'm, because if there's no workouts, like there's no, who knows? Maybe in July they could do something, but we see across the country, depending where you live, you can maybe go out and about if you want to risk that. Like the NBA is slowly opening stuff up. Maybe May eighth, they want to in some states to go to facilities to maybe shoot around or do something. I don't know what you're gonna do. We still don't want to be too close to people, but football you gotta be close. You know what I mean? You gotta hit people. You got tackle it's like it's a full contact sport and mm-hmm. so these guys it's unfortunate you don't get drafted like that's why i'm thinking like cole mcdonald like michael walker all these guys who got drafted late like even cash going to new england i'd put 96 percent chance they're making the team if there's limited workouts like is nfl going to expand because i think right now they invite what 90 something to to a uh, training camp are they like that, yeah. are they going to I'm just speculating. They expand that ten more people. Are they going to have a pre-training camp for these undrafted guys, the rookie guys, who want to bring out? I'm wondering if there's all clear in some level, will there be a second wave of signings of either undrafted or rookies. You have to imagine there would be. Because also, did you see how much one of the guys who didn't get drafted? Like, I'll let you hop in here. I'm kind of cogging here, but Luke Barku. Did you see how much Jacksonville gave him? They gave him a lot. They said the mo the highest undrafted free agent signing deal ever. Mm-hmm. I think it was what, 180K guaranteed? Something like that, yeah. He's probably making the team. If you're putting guaranteed money and you're getting six figures, you're you're going to make the team. So there are yeah, some... And Zane Lewis is in kind of that same boat yeah. too. They were giving him a pretty substantial offer as well. Which is, yeah, Air Force guy. So like, if you're if you're guaranteed that money, you're probably making the team. But like guys are getting... Like you hear guys, oh, I got a 20,000 signing bonus, 30K guaranteed. But if you're getting like close to six figures, they want you on the team. Oh, yeah. And, like, Luke Barker, like, he makes plays. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's a size thing, but, like, we saw him play last year. Like, he led the nation in pass defenses, interception, and pass breakups. What else you got to do? Oh, yeah. To get drafted. Like, dang. And plus, Matt, sometimes not getting drafted is better. You could pick your team a little bit. That's true. How many – do you think half the league was calling Luke Barku and the Jaguars just got him first? <laughs> <laughs> I would not be surprised by that. 
I like, but I mean, if they wanted him so badly, they could have drafted him. There's that too. Yeah. So, so I'm not going to feel sorry for a team if you miss out on like Luke Barku because you don't want to draft him. So, like anybody else on this list, like undrafted guys, who you thought like Kavina Tizino didn't get picked up. Um, anybody else that you're kind of surprised that was not drafted? I mean, not particularly. No. You're sleeping on Javin White a little bit from UNLV. I mean, I'm I'm very optimistic about Javin White, but I think realistically, you know, him going undrafted is not surprising. So, of the guys who got picked up, let's not include Zane Lewis or Luke Barku because they got those huge deals. Who do you think is most likely to make a team? I'll list a couple of my guys. I think David Moe to the Vikings has a pretty good chance, just because it's huge. I would add um, Jared Rice to the Chargers. Did they sign Hunter Henry for one more year, right? I believe so. so I don't remember that off the top of my head. Tight end him. And then also, I would like to, I think, um, I want to say, who am I getting here? I'm going at. Uh, I think Sosie Marin has a pretty good chance for the Raider, Raiders to make it, too. See, I would look at Tyler Hall landing in Atlanta as a pretty good opportunity for him just because they don't necessarily have a lot of depth in the secondary there. Sure. Um, you know, they have Isaiah Oliver and question marks after that. Um, so there's a pretty good chance that he could stick and maybe be a depth piece of some kind. Um, so, I mean, I, I look at him as being one. I look at, um, you know, who's the backup quarterback in, in L.A. for the Rams? Um, well, it's Howard Taylor. Or is it Blaine Oh, Denver? no. Oh, Rams. Um, it might be. Jeez. Hold on. Let me look this up real quick. Oh, it's Blake Bortles. Ah, Bortles. Would it surprise you? If Josh Love beat out Blake Bortles for the no. backup job next fall? It would not, no. So, I mean, if if I were going to choose two, I think that those would be the two that I would pick. If I'm picking two, who? I don't know. Although, although, I'll give a shout-out to JoJo Ward, too, just because he's landing in Arizona, where Ooh. plenty of footballs to go around in that aerial attack. And Larry Fitzgerald's probably not going to be around anymore after this year? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're absolutely loaded at wide receiver at this point. But, yeah, uh, yeah freaking... I mean, he's got as good a chance as any to be kind of like, you know, this year's version of Keyshawn Johnson, where, you know, Keyshawn Johnson doesn't necessarily light the world on fire, but he still was able to step in and contribute, like, you know, 30, 40 catches and things like that. And he's on the Cardinals, right? Yes. He just catches balls. That's all he does. Yeah. Comes his way. Hey, for receiver, just, it's, it's simple, Matt. Just catch the ball. You'll be good. <laughs> right? Yeah, do, do, do a little blocking, you know, here <laughs> and there. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I'm. I like I like your picks. I'm trying to see anybody else. Typically, Gully with Green Bay, maybe. Uh, I do. I, I guess if I go number one outside, too obvious. I might go Jared Rice because think of it. Last year with um, we, well, you know, more than anybody else, Fresno State quarterback issue, a little bit of issues, offensive line issues. He didn't get going till midway through the year. I don't think he got his first touchdown to like what week seven, mm-hmm. something like that. And he had to block a little bit. So I think he has a one of the better chances outside the obvious to make a team. Yeah, I could agree with because that. Because Chargers also they had two tight ends forever past couple years they had um antonio gates and hunter henry for a while mm-hmm. and so they're familiar with the two tight end sets and jared rice and hunter henry's not gonna play too much longer he could slide make that team and slide in sooner than later yeah i could see that uh any other other draft stuff when you get to not that i can think of off the top of my head i know we got some 2021 draft stuff we won't bore with you now but uh just check that out because you did a good job putting some stuff together like Tariq thompson um uh, okay, I'll ask you one question. I know we're looking at it way too early. Who would be your top pick? Guy who would be drafted first from Mountain West next year? Ooh, okay. 
Um, I'm gonna have to think about this a little bit. Going to my head, I would probably say Warren Jackson. That's an easy pick, right? <laughs> but then, but then the, the the flip side of that is like in the early rumblings that I've been seeing is like if you thought this year's wide receiver class was deep, you know, next year's is going to be absolutely insane. Yeah. And so that might be the only thing working against him being kind of that next Plaxico Burris type pass catcher on the next level. True, because just in Mountain West, you have Savon Scarver returns and receiver kicks, or not kick, but kick return receiving. Trey Walker could be the best of them all, but again, if you have Nick Nash throw the ball to you, a new, new QB, not very great, possibly, mm-hmm. there could be that as well. But the Mountain West has three good receivers off the top right there. So, well, we, I'll, I'll buy, we'll go with that receivers. Why not? That's three right there. But there's like Charles Williams is pretty good. Um, who knows with Donald Hammond, if he gets some type of look, or like Jalen Walker, the DB from Boise State. So that's that's we'll we'll twenty twenty one will come soon enough. So, all right, Matt, we have a big question to answer now. So, okay. NFL draft is over. Um, season TBD. What do we do next? <laughs> <laughs> that is an excellent question. We may have to talk about that off the air. I will say this: we typically do our previews. Here's what I'm going to say. I'll promise everybody: we're going to do our season previews week by week, as planned, as on schedule. Mm-hmm. which means, what, two weeks we start that maybe? In, sometime in May, I think. Yeah, yeah. So look for that to be kind of what we're doing. Maybe we'll have a little fun show here and there. We're going to work on our top 50 countdown as well. Maybe work on an all-time best Mountain West team football like we are doing in basketball, which we sort of paused over the week due to the draft week because, man, Matt, draft week takes all the work out of us. It does. Busy weekend, busy week. So if you have any fun ideas, let us know because we're open for it. We'll have some fun as well, but that's kind of our main thing we're doing because – there's a couple of things. I have a few ideas we can talk offline about, but that's it for today. MWR.com is our website, obviously. Check out there. Subscribe to the podcast. I don't know, Spotify, Pocket Cast, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, download it there. Stay safe. Don't go outside. If your state says to go outside, please don't go outside. Yeah. Are you? I know you went outside yesterday, but you're safe. You went out in the mountains, right, where nobody was around? No, just to, to the big park in town. Was it fairly empty, crowded? No, there was you know a fair number of people, but you know, most people were being responsible. So. Were the, so what you're telling me is that like near my house, there's a full-on game of softball going on. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> not, nothing quite like that. Oh, people. Just chill, relax, watch The Last Dance, and listen to our podcast, right? There you go. All right, so we'll be back next week to talk about something Mountain West related. So, again, MWR.com is our website. We'll see you next time, folks.